Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everybody. I am James Kleiman, the managing editor at HW Media, and I am filling in for Sarah Wheeler today. And today I am joined by Chris Clow, the reverse mortgage daily editor. And we're going to talk about the Normala conference and some of the latest happenings in the reverse industry. Today's episode is sponsored by United Wholesale Mortgage. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Christina Bennett, Senior Vice President of UWM Sales, about a career in the wholesale channel. Christina, what have you seen happen in the wholesale channel over the past six months? Yes, Sarah, we've seen some great growth in the wholesale channel over the past several months. Specifically, every single week, we're getting hundreds of phone calls from retail loan officers calling in to find out how can they join an independent mortgage broker? How can they become an independent mortgage broker? And quite honestly, just realizing that wholesale is better for consumers and a better place for them to work as well. Thanks, Christina. And listeners, you can go to BeAMortgageBroker.com to get more information. And today I am joined by Reverse Mortgage Daily Editor, Chris Clow. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, James. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, of course. So let's let's dive right into it. You have been away for a couple of days. You just got back. Tell me, where, where have you been? What's What's been going on? The uh, National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association had its first in-person event of the year. Um, they had the Western Regional Meeting in Irvine, California, sunny Irvine. Uh, so they changed up the format a little bit. And traditionally, these kinds of regional events that the association has put on have been two-day affairs. They actually condensed it all into one day this time. So it was kind of um, uh, an in-and-out thing, which uh, was designed primarily just to, to keep the costs uh, that in- attendees incur in mind. And um, yeah, it was a pretty wall-to-wall program just talking about the state of the reverse mortgage industry and, and getting a chance for a lot of these professionals to come together in a in, in sort of a communal setting. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense and good on them for consolidating into one day of program. I, I know that a lot of these conferences, I attend quite a few of them myself, they stretch it out over multiple yeah. days and starts to feel like on day three, like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> could, yeah. could this have been a one day or, you know, maybe a two day thing, but anyway, so kudos to the normal of folks for, uh, for, for managing to, to get that sorted. Chris, what is the mood like for reverse mortgage originators and, and just people in the industry right now? So the thing that's interesting about these kinds of events, and honestly, this industry at large is that since the market penetration is generally so low in comparison to the traditional mortgage market, um, a lot of these people, even though they're technically competitors, they don't really see themselves as competing with each other just because they, they kind of have a blue ocean attitude about what the, the market possibilities are. So the attitude always tends to be very collegiate. And um, I, I don't know, I haven't really been to a forward conference. I've been so focused on reverse for the past nearly five years now. But I would guess and I would probably bet that the concentration of hugs between professionals is generally higher at a reverse mortgage conference 
than it is oh, at a traditional mortgage conference. I, I people, wish they had some sort of a hug index. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. It's measure, something that, you know, how, how good people are feeling. Maybe, maybe we can start this at the, the next normal uh, conference. Yeah, we'll just have to sit in the corner and just like count the hugs that we see in comparison to total attendance, maybe. But um, no, it's one of the things that kind of surprised me when I first started covering the space is just how open everybody is. And the thing that I found particularly interesting about this meeting, this is only really the fourth time that uh, members of this industry have gotten together since the end of 2019. The end of 2019, the annual meeting was held in Nashville over a few days, and then COVID happened, and the Trade Association, which really is the driving force behind reverse mortgage events, industry events, I should say, uh, you know, they did what everybody else did and, and moved to a virtual format for pretty much the entire... I think they held off a little bit on resuming in-person events out of an abundance of caution, but um, they resumed for the first time just about a year ago. And it still seems like a lot of people in the business are getting re- reaccustomed to having in-person events. And there is a, a thrill that you feel among certain attendees for the fact that they are among their peers. There are only so many people they can uh, relate to on a professional level regarding this specific business. So that I, I actually asked a few people if that might artificially inflate a sense of optimism that they feel considering the market challenges. Uh, you know, the reverse side, like the forward side, is is facing a bit of a reckoning in terms of volume uh, directly related to rates. Reverse has a particular challenge related to industry liquidity. And that puts a lot of pressure on these professionals to try and deliver in a, a market that is sizably smaller than the forward side. Um, but some of the people that I spoke to, uh, they, they acknowledged that they might be feeling maybe a, a, a bigger sense of optimism because they are among their peers, but they don't feel like that overshadowed the realities that they're all facing because that's what they were talking about. A lot of these industry professionals, particularly originators, are really focused on trying to find new ways to appeal to the senior demographic. And on that level, they can all relate to each other because they can all talk about the things that work, the things that don't work, the kinds of new referral partnerships that they're trying to obtain, and uh, how they're engaging with the community, particularly you know, since it's senior-focused. And so much of um, of the danger during the pandemic seemed really concentrated on the senior demographic because they were the ones most likely to develop serious illness from COVID-19. That necessitated sort of a new approach to finding referral partnerships and to finding borrowers. So they're still talking about that. They're still talking about maybe reaching out to community banks who might be a little bit more amenable to uh, to engaging with a reverse mortgage professional, uh, how they're sort of dipping their toes back into certain community events. Like uh, I've talked to people who go to things from uh, real estate CE classes to setting up tables at county fairs to try and get people uh, at least aware of the reverse mortgage product. So that collegiate attitude really did dominate, even though it's a challenging time for the business. Um, but I think that anyone in the reverse mortgage business would probably tell you that they are, uh, they're optimistic in, in the face of a fair amount of gloom that arises. But this is also an industry that has seen such an abundance of change and such an, uh, such a change in stature in terms of volume levels over the past decade plus that they kind of roll with the punches. 
Mm. You, you know, it's interesting, Chris, you, you mentioned that you're starting to see some of this community get out, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely not post COVID in some respects, people are still getting COVID, people are still dying of COVID, I, I don't mean to express that this is no longer <laughs> a consequential illness that people or society needs to face. But from a policy perspective, we are really in the post-COVID era, right? And and, and what, what I find striking is in, in the forward community, so often when I speak to uh, CEOs at midsize, even small lenders, and I say, you know, how do you find LOs to to hustle? How do you convince them to not be just hanging out at home and, and kind of phoning it in and not really, really getting out there, being aggressive and all that? And they say, you know, we, we have this problem where just a certain percentage of the LOs will probably never hit the levels that they ever did in, you know, kind of that 2020, 2021 period. And they don't want to make a million phone calls. They don't want to go to events. They don't want to go to open houses. They no longer want to be out and about. Did you get a sense that there was a lot of excitement, that people were happy, that they had sort of, you know, the spring fever, right? They wanted to get out. They wanted to network. They wanted to see their old friends or... or was it more that um, there was a reluctance to to kind of get out there and and be seen and and see? There's there's really a lack of reluctance, like a pronounced lack of reluctance. And and what you mentioned kind of speaks to some of the core fundamental differences between forward and reverse. Because um, since the the primary demographic now is predominantly made up of baby boomers. Uh, they are sort of on the cusp of a transition between conducting their financial services over the kitchen table and in offices and in banks to conducting more of their financial affairs online. And that's kind of a line that the reverse mortgage industry has sort of struggled to address. It's a, The Home Equity Conversion Mortgage Program sponsored by FHA is very heavily regulated, um, you know, because seniors are a protected class. Um, but that also speaks to the desires that sort of the clients have in terms of who they want to connect with and how they want to conduct their business. Most of the time, you know, if, if there's any common refrain that I hear about conducting reverse business in comparison to forward, because a fair amount of reverse mortgage professionals started doing forwards earlier in their career, it's that it is so much more consultative. There's so much more handholding and there's so much more of a, of an interpersonal relationship that is created between the originator and the borrower that, uh, they can't really afford to sit at home. Uh, if they want to sort of forge these more meaningful connections with borrowers, so since things, as you mentioned, from a policy perspective, have certainly opened up in comparison to 2020 and 2021, there is an invigoration among uh, the community of reverse mortgage originators and brokers to go out and forge those connections. They kind of feel like their shackles have been removed. They can go back to doing the things that they are comfortable with. You know, there's only so much that they can do by staying in their offices and uh, it seems like a lot of reverse mortgage originators in particular recognize the necessity and uh, and are really driven by the idea of going out and forging connections with borrowers, but also with those uh, those referral partners. At the same time, too, you know, there there is a noted lack of, quote unquote, new blood entering the reverse mortgage business. Actually, the day before the Nirmala conference took place, and I, I actually did a profile on uh, Christina Harms Heike, who has started a reverse mortgage coaching business to try and bring more people into the fold. 
Um, but uh, bringing more people in has not been the industry's strongest suit. And that's where Christina sort of identified a, a market that she might be able to fulfill. Um, but the, the fact that there is a noted lack of people in their you know, 20s, 30s, and 40s that are involved in the reverse mortgage business at that professional level, um, that also means that they might be more predisposed to sort of getting out of their offices and, and going out and finding those referral partnerships than, uh, than some people on the forward side. But the forward side, again, is so much larger and um, the way that reverse mortgage professionals I talk to characterize it is that it's a far less personal relationship. So it might be easier to generate business uh, by staying at home and, and making those phone calls. Whereas on the reverse side, uh, the, the fundamentals are different enough, at least right now, that uh, they really love the idea of getting out and talking to people. Yeah. And digital marketing is probably not going to be as effective when your demographic is older and, and uses the computer less and is, is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe just more physically somewhere than, than digitally in that place. But, but when, when we think about demographics, we are not far off from Gen X, you know, really starting to get into that. What, were there any discussions at this conference, Chris, about reaching Gen X and whether, you know, the technology needs are maybe better suited. There were a few conversations. None of the programming content was dedicated to sort of expanding the scope to Gen X, but they, uh, that is certainly uh, a topic of conversation that I have had with, uh, with a lot of industry professionals, particularly over the past couple of years, you know, when, um, when some of the lenders started lowering the minimum age for their proprietary reverse mortgage products down to 55, that really did open the door to start looking at Gen X. Um, and that's only going to grow more pronounced as time goes on because there's data that indicates that Generation X is less financially stable than their baby boomer parents. So that could open a door of, of opportunity that perhaps isn't open to, uh, to baby boomer clients. I mean, that's, we'll see, it'll take a while for that generation to really take hold in the space. But in terms of like the, the use of technology, it seems a little bit more uh, prone on the servicing side of the reverse mortgage space because it seems like uh, there are seniors who are becoming far more used to and even um, they might have a more uh, a preferential attitude toward conducting their banking matters through online portals. And the servicing side has been uh, a little bit more proactive in facilitating that. But at the same time as well, there are a sizable... Uh, number of uh, of baby boomers who are on Facebook in particular. Facebook seems to be really the social media platform of choice for older people. I know that my mom probably spends way more time on Facebook than she probably should. Yeah, my parents do. Yeah, yeah right. So uh, there are some more concerted marketing efforts that are happening there. But actually, there was a little bit of a side conversation that emerged about opening up uh, social media marketing opportunities to additional platforms to try and capture more uh, more people potentially on that sort of Gen X baby boomer uh, cusp. And uh, it one person I spoke to said that he's a little less inclined to try and seek out these newer forms of social media just because it doesn't look like that's where his clients are. But he also, to his credit, recognized 
that that's probably where they will be. So it's something that should be taken more seriously, at least from his individual perspective. But um, there wasn't as much conversation about the transition to Gen X. But honestly, you know, the transition to the baby boomer generation is a relatively recent innovation, like within the last six, seven years uh, that the industry has sort of had to re uh, reacclimatize itself to compared to like the silent generation, for instance. Um, but the technology conversation is always an interesting one because the attitudes of the demographic are going to shift rather dramatically over the, the, the next several years. And uh, that's only going to be exacerbated by the fact that it, on a longer stretch of time, our population in the United States is getting older faster. Did you hear from any reverse mortgage professionals that are managing to generate business from, say, Facebook? Or you know, are, are there any lead generation purchasing opportunities that, that are coming from kind of the platforms where the, the, the demographic is? I feel like uh, it... it, it uh, in this instance, it wasn't much of a driver of conversation, but I think that stems more from uh, some of the ad buying policies that Facebook has implemented over the past few years. There's actually a story I wrote a couple of years ago about how they were becoming more restrictive of uh, of mortgage marketing, especially mortgage marketing that could discriminate based on age. But in the case of the reverse, they, they had some fair housing issues a couple years ago. Right. Yeah, exactly. But with the reverse mortgage industry, it's not a, a matter of discrimination as much as it is a matter of compliance. You know, they can't market uh, home equity conversion mortgage products, for instance, to people who are under the age of 62 because they don't qualify for it. You know, from they legally don't qualify for it. They legally don't qualify for a proprietary reverse mortgage, even if the age goes down to 55. It's not. Uh, a concerted desire to cut people off from access to to a reverse mortgage product. It's a matter of compliance. So I think that the industry is still sort of navigating that, but that doesn't diminish the fact that there is a lot of interest uh, to to look at Facebook in particular. But um, I remember one uh, one tech professional that I spoke to uh, a couple of years ago who said that, well, you just have to buy the data from a different place. You can't uh, you, you, you can observe those requirements without necessarily going directly to the platform holder to get the kinds of insights that you want. But um, it is still I think it's still kind of an unsettled area in terms of reverse mortgage marketing. Chris, in terms of some of the meat and potatoes issues in the reverse community these days, we've seen just as we have on the forward side, we've seen a lot of consolidation. We've seen a couple of pretty big name lenders go under and, and forward home point is no longer uh, operating. And, and of course we, we had a similar issue in, in reverse and we've seen FOA acquire AAG and, and now very easily the largest player in this space. Were there discussions about where the industry is headed? Is there more consolidation? Are there more lenders expected to leave the space or not not survive? It's it's a very unforgiving market, both in forward and reverse right now. Volume is quite low. Yeah, it's 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 funny because on uh, on the way into the event venue, which was the Sinesta Irvine uh, across the street from the John Wayne Airport in Santa Ana, there was uh, I saw the AAG Tower. Uh, and I was really tempted to go over there and see who was there, but I, I didn't have time, so I couldn't do it. But uh, 
it doesn't sound like there's a, an abundance of concern related to additional consolidation, especially because uh, the liquidity challenges that have been created uh, sort of on the heels of the bankruptcy and exit of reverse mortgage funding are getting more federal attention, uh, particularly sure. from uh, from Ginny May and from FHA and from HUD. Yeah, a lot uh, of restrictions now that were not in place a couple months ago. Exactly. So it seems like uh, the conversation is more centered on just trying to find ways to uh, to enlarge the the base of borrowers. Uh, the, The representatives of different companies that I spoke to are sort of getting used to the idea of the hierarchy of leadership in the industry changing. The most recent endorsement data for the month of May did not show for for Finance of America any quote unquote bump re- related to the acquisition of AAG. So hmm. technically speaking, the leading reverse mortgage lender in the space right now is Mutual of Omaha. Uh, that could change as as time goes on and uh, and FOA starts to. I think it assert- will. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like a, much of a hypothetical to me, right? I mean, they. You know, they, they acquired the biggest company in the space and, and Mutual of Omaha yeah. didn't really change their strategy, right? Some of the analysts that I spoke to weren't a hundred percent sure that it would be uh it would be one to one once the the incorporation of AAG into the FOA infrastructure is complete. But I do think that yeah, it's it's a, a pretty likely scenario that Finance of America is going to shoot to the top of the list once they fully take control of all of the recent assets they've acquired, not the least of which being uh, the likeness and uh, and use of Tom Selleck as an as an industry spokesperson and uh, well as a company spokesperson, but he's really seen by a lot of people as an industry spokesperson. Um, but the the attitude really did center on a, a really a voracious appetite among the originators in the audience in particular for new ways to try and market to people. That was really the driver of a lot of the conversations that I heard on the sidelines and that I had with a fair amount of people on site. Um, the companies themselves, uh, you know, they are not shying away from the fact that there are challenges in the space, but I didn't hear from anybody that indicated that they were going to be pulling back. If anything, I've heard of additional investments being made in the reverse space. And I think you've seen that with uh, Guild Mortgage's recent acquisition of Cherry Creek. Cherry Creek had a very well-built and leading reverse mortgage division that is now a part of Guild. Guild did do some reverses in the past, but now their reverse posture is significantly improved. Uh, And there were a couple of representatives of Guild that were on site that I did speak to at the event. And they they acknowledge that there's a lot of work to do to to get things up to snuff, but um, but they don't seem uh, predisposed, I guess, to reducing their activity in the space. If anything, it sounds like they want to increase their activity in the space, at least based on the conversations that I had. In terms of the servicing, Chris, we, we hear a lot on the forward side about how government regulation and the watchdogs, the CFPB, some of the, the state's attorneys generals have been very, <laughs> very aggressive and, and it's adding a lot of costs to the servicers. I'm curious if you've heard of any, any concerns about regulatory oversight in the reverse servicing space. 
Regulatory oversight doesn't seem to be a pronounced concern right now. The biggest concern in reverse servicing for the past several years, up until probably the end of 2022, was just in uh, in in uh, the posture of the the then current reverse mortgage servicing contractor, the ones who actually service the loans that were uh, that were assigned to HUD, and that changed. C Link yeah, is that, that the company resolved. that picked. Yeah, C Link picked up the the servicing contract. Uh, last year, and the response by the industry uh, was very positive. In fact, during a uh, a panel conversation, speaking with a couple of representatives of HUD who are reverse mortgage subject matter experts, an originator thanked them for moving the servicing to ceiling. So it seems like uh, servicing issues are not really at the forefront at the moment, at least in terms of the broader conversations that are being had among professionals. But um, there are more companies that are becoming uh, more active in the reverse servicing space. You know, PHH uh, is becoming a pretty big reverse mortgage servicer after they purchased the the servicing assets of um, Reverse Mortgage Solutions, RMS, a couple of years ago. And I know that Longbridge is very active in servicing. But um, really, the tenor was pretty positive when it came to reverse servicing ever since the servicing contract was handed over to Sealing. Chris, any other takeaways from this conference? I think the the biggest takeaway that I got from it is that the industry's identity is very much shaped by uh, an attitude that is founded on resiliency. You know, in spite of the challenges uh, that the industry seems to be facing, a lot of these individual professionals and certainly the companies and the the trade association even. Uh, they they seem to really relish the idea of trying to find a, a way forward, and it uh, it certainly seemed like an infectious attitude in in comparison to a lot of the other conversations that I've had. But the headwinds are also very real. But they've also faced these kinds of headwinds before. You know, if you look at uh, where the reverse mortgage industry was at uh, on the heels of the financial crisis, for instance. Uh, you know, loans that were originated between 2008 and, and 2010, they're still kind of dealing with problems from those loans well before uh, a more highly regulated posture was handed down during the Obama, Trump, and now Biden administrations. So, essential um, threats. You know, today they're dealing yes. larger with liquidity issues. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, volume has dropped significantly since then as well, you know, particularly, uh, after the exits of major financial institutions like Wells Fargo and Bank of America. And I know that the industry would relish the idea of those kinds of longstanding institutions getting involved again in the space. Uh, there is no indication that I've heard of that happening anytime soon. So they're really focused on, uh, on facing the, the challenges, um, you know, on the current basis and with the current leadership in place at the association and at the companies. But, uh, but they all seem very optimistic about what the future will hold, whether or not that optimism ends up uh, panning out is, is anybody's guess. I mean, volume has taken a big hit ever since the pandemic driven Heckam to Heckam refinance boom dissipated. Um, but that also means that the industry has had to uh, reorient itself to finding new borrowers as opposed to the borrowers that have engaged with the product before. And um, that is a challenge, but it's also a, a challenge that the industry seems very willing to take on. So positive general feelings that people seemed to have. 
um, while acknowledging those challenges. Uh, and we'll just have to see what the future holds. And there are other challenges in the form of similar products that are not reverse mortgages, right? There are a lot of home equity products right now uh, that the people are able to tap that they don't have to be seniors necessarily, right? But but that does limit uh, some of the pool, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've talked with some of the alternative equity tapping companies who run products, you know, like shared equity investments or sale leasebacks. And a lot of those companies are kind of a niche within a niche. And they actually seem very uh, willing to engage with the reverse mortgage industry to potentially capture borrowers that may not qualify for a loan like a Heckam. So there seems to be, again, this very collegiate attitude that even emerges on that side. But yes, at the end of the day, they are competitors. And whether or not that's going to sort of upset the established order of home equity tapping uh, we will have to see. But in, in terms of the conversations that I've had with leaders at those companies, they seem eager to engage in, in potential partnership opportunities with reverse mortgage companies. Hmm. Well, we'll see if there are more hugs next year. I think that'll be very yeah. telling. <laughs> yeah, Chris, definitely. thank you so much for uh, for being with me today. And uh, we're out much. of time. So we've we got to wrap it up there. Oh, much appreciated. Thank you, James. Hi, I'm McKenna Clay, Events and Programs Specialist here at HW Media, and I wanted to invite you to our upcoming event this summer. A theme we've heard from housing leaders this year is the importance of relationships to not only survive, but be strategic in 2023. And that's why we decided to invite the top C-suite executives and leaders in mortgage to join us at Gathering of Eagles in Austin, Texas from June 18th until 21st. Now, Gathering of Eagles has historically been exclusive to the nation's most elite brokerage, association and team leaders, and C-suite leaders. But for the first time this year, we're opening up the audience to include execs from mortgage, title, and insurance so that you can connect and build vital partnerships for your business. If you want to learn more, visit the events page on realtrends.com and you can get registered today to come hang out with us in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.